Welcome to Evolving Still, the podcast. My name is Ebony, and I'm the founder of Evolving Still, a lifestyle brand dedicated to changing the conversation around mental health and helping others become the best version of themselves. The purpose of this podcast is to prioritize mental health in our everyday conversations. In each episode, we seek to gain perspective, extend grace, and equip ourselves with the necessary tools for this journey. Essentially, our goal is to evolve still. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am doing great. Just got done working out and drinking some water. (laughs) Yes, I need to be doing that. Thank you so much for joining this episode of the podcast. I'm super excited for our guests to get to know you. So can you just introduce yourself really quickly? My name is Alondra Tooney Jackson, and I am a licensed clinical therapist by training. Um, And I'm also the founder of the Sisters Couch, which is an organization that brings Black women together to openly discuss mental health um, and to make sure we have a space to discuss it with licensed mental health professionals. Yes, I love that. She also was my mentor in <laughs> Yes, I was um, a mentor in <laughs> I know. It's been it's been some years, but that is how we know each other. Um, and I'm super excited for this episode. So as I normally started off, I do a quick game of this or that. Does that sound good? Yep, I am down for it. Okay, first question. Quality time or acts of service? Oh, uh, this is a hard one. (laughs) (laughs) I would say right now, quality time, only because I have a two-year-old, so it's hard to get quality time with anybody. So quality time right now, just some quality uninterrupted time. That is very fair. Um, Okay, retail therapy or aromatherapy? Oh, retail therapy. I'm just <laughs> retail therapy. Amazon has been my therapy lately. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yes, Amazon has held us down through the pandemic. That is for yes. sure. <laughs> um, and then last, I'm just gonna go opposite of the love languages that I gave you the first time. So gift giving or words of affirmation. Oh, you are thumping me with these. All right. <laughs> So, uh, I need both. <laughs> I need both. But my top one, I think, would be both. But my top one is gift giving. I It's a hard. I need both. But I love, like, when somebody thinks about me, like, I got you this gift. It could literally be a car from the store. So, yeah. Yes. I really, what's interesting is that I express love by gift giving, but I don't mm-hmm. just receive it that way. It's oh, fair. <laughs> that's fair. See, I express it by gift giving and I get so stressed out when I have to give out gifts. Like it stresses me out. I love giving gifts. Like I will spend so much time trying to find the perfect gift. Mm-hmm. And it's just like so fun. That in to me is therapy. Like I just know this person is going to love this gift. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. So we can get right into the topic. Is that cool? Yep. Okay. So we're going to be talking about therapy 
um, all things therapy, our favorite subject. <laughs> um, the first question is just about um, a little bit about your personal background. Um, so why do you think it is important for us, specifically Black people, to have conversations about mental health and our experiences? Um, how do you feel about these conversations? How do you feel these conversations will help? And this is just a question asking from your perspective. Um, I think it's so important because we don't realize how um, not talking about these situations can have an impact on our everyday life. I think oftentimes as Black people, we are taught, you know, what happens in our house, stays in our house, you know, just suck it up and keep moving. But we don't realize like that is having a huge impact on just how we operate with everybody and ourselves. Um, One thing that happens when we suppress our emotions and we don't talk about our mental health we can really get sick. I know one thing, um, especially during this pandemic, that's been happening, like your cholesterol can go up, your blood pressure can go up. So I think it's important that we talk about this stuff so we can be fully healthy. Um, and also so the generations can, to come can make sure that it's an open space for them as well. Um, I think growing up, I know we're a little bit different in our ages, but growing up in my mom, it wasn't the type to be like, oh, I'm gonna talk about my feelings, but it also normalizes stuff. Um, And it helps us realize that we're not alone in our mental health challenges. Yes, I think that it's so, so important. Like you said, um, for me, I was the sensitive child. um, Mm, That's me too. (laughs) My family was just not. um, And so I kind of started some of these conversations of like no like y'all the way y'all operate is wrong I don't know why I feel like this but this is why I feel and so we need to figure it out and I think that my family's dynamic of like just really loving me and like kind of wanting to help me but realizing that they couldn't help me because they didn't understand themselves or they weren't like in tune themselves started on conversations about mental health for my like family but I think that it just plays such an important role because as the youngest like I'm the baby in my family um in many ways like but just from talking to my mom my aunts my grandparents um they don't they just never had those conversations and then the generational trauma is like passed on and on and I realized that I'm like deal some stuff that really just doesn't belong to me it's not mine um because it didn't start with me right and not saying that it's their fault um that certain things are the way they are because they something happened in their life that also made them that way right but I think that the world would be a much better place if we were able to just talk about our feelings and why we feel that way because we can problem solve you know <laughs> ahead of the curve of like now it's a really bad place and I have to figure out how to get out but if we had these conversations we can kind of prevent that yeah I agree with you I was also the sensitive child which is one of the reasons I ended up in therapy um but yeah like you talk about that generational trauma that's get that gets handed down oftentimes it doesn't look like what most people think it looks like some people think oh hey you know you don't you weren't abused um but also a home where your family is very chaotic, where you're bouncing from home to home. Like those are also generational things when you're, you might come from poverty and we don't think about that when it comes to therapy and we really are carrying that load. So yeah, you made a good point, Ebony. 
Yeah, thank you. And even for like some of my family, um, like just generationally, my you know my great great my great grandparents may have done one thing, so my grandparents did something like inspired mm-hmm. it, and then like my dad, <laughs> you know, <laughs> my dad didn't grow up with his dad, so he you decided he's gonna be the best dad that he can be, like yeah. just like that like even if it's not traumatic and even if these things like made you a better person I think it's still super important to talk about so that we can have some like understanding of where we're all coming from yes um so the next question is have you yourself ever been in therapy and how did you feel about this experience did you feel like it was helpful to you Yes, I have been in therapy and it has been <laughs> life changing. I actually, the first time I got a therapist, I was um, in grad school, I think it was. Yep, I was in grad school and that was actually a very horrible experience for me. Um, so there's a little history about my therapy, a very horrible experience for me. It was with a white man. <laughs> he was a graduate student. And I remember going because I, looking back at it and just know what I know now, I, I had challenges with my anxiety. And um, he was like, you know what? You just need to yell and say F Wayne State. And I'm like, nah, dog, this ain't gonna work. <laughs> uh, wasn't, like, the, the, you ain't helping me. He was not a good fit for me. Um, so then another time I got a therapist, she was great. Her name was Jill. And um, this was due to another change in my life. Like my stuff is usually triggered trigger by change. Um, and she was amazing. And we talked about some trauma that had happened in my life. It was just great to have that person that you can just talk with and work through things. And then now I'm in therapy. Um, I've been in therapy now for about consistently for about going on three years. Um, and I'm in therapy now because I had a huge transition with motherhood and all of my mental health challenges came smacking me back in the face. And this has been like the most, I think, introspective moment for me and just helping me realize like, Alondra, some of this stuff is not yours to carry. Alondra, some of this stuff, you just got to let go. And I end, like you talked about generational things and like how some dads might want to show up a certain way, even in parenting, talking about, oh, hey, I'm showing up this way because of my mom and thinking about how it could be impacting like my child. So it has been so great. And so transformative. It's like my little moment. I keep my list with my therapist. Like, I need to talk to Jer- uh, Jordy about this. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think that is so great. Like, I always say that I don't want a therapist that has not been to therapy themselves. Because what do you mean? Like, <laughs> How do you I know? <laughs> I kind of say that you're you're perfect. Like, what's, what's going on? <laughs> um, no, but I... So I've also been in therapy um, for a long time. I think I went to my first therapist when I was in high school because I was like having anxiety. Uh, It was my senior year, actually. I was having very bad anxiety about transitioning to college. So so like you said, um, most of my, you know, mental health issues are surrounding change. I'm not very good at it. I don't like it. (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) Yeah, like I had to go to therapy, um, trying to figure out the transition. And then when I was in college, I was like overwhelmed and I was in therapy for that. Um, And then now I'm still in therapy. Um, But I've I've bounced around from therapist to therapist. I think each time I found it helpful. 
Well, that's a lie. I fired something. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that when I went at that particular time for that particular thing, it was helpful to that. Um, but then I had to do what most people do and, and find a good relationship, a good person to actually, mm-hmm. you know, grow with versus like, okay, I, I have this problem. I need some perspective. I need some help with this situation. Okay, cool. We got this done. But like outside of that, me and you don't really mesh. Mm-hmm. And that's important. Yeah, so I had to, like, you know, kind of figure it out. I've been in and out of therapy um, since I was literally 17 years old, and I'm still figuring it out. But I will say that overall it has been um, helpful because I take all the tools from each therapist um, and apply them. <laughs> And therapy is a journey. Like, I'm glad you said that, like, you had different therapists, you fire therapists because realize that you have the right to do that like you should it has to be a good fit not just clinically but also like your rapport that relationship yes yes that's so important to me like people always laugh at me when I say like no I fired my (laughs) but I'd be serious (laughs) um (laughs) okay so I want to ask you what are some of the benefits of going to therapy So there are tons of benefits to going to therapy. And one of the first benefits I like to say for going to therapy is that you're literally getting like a non-biased outlook on what is happening in your life. So this person does not know your mother. They don't know your father. They are literally just there to support you. Um, If you have a good therapist, another benefit of having a therapy is like they're your advocate. So they should be there to help you like set boundaries that's really at the core of who you are. Um, another benefit is that you um, are getting clinically someone who's trained in like mental health disorders. And I know oftentimes when most people think about therapy, they think, oh, you need to actually be diagnosed with depression. You need to actually be diagnosed with anxiety or you need an actual diagnosis. But what I like to say is like, if you are having a, if you have a good therapist, one of the benefits is that you don't get to the point where you are dealing with that depression on a huge scale or dealing with that anxiety on a huge scale. Um, so that's another benefit. Another benefit, which we don't talk about often, is that if you are really dealing with a severe mental illness, they can refer you to a psychiatrist. They can refer you to your primary care physician and they can let you know, hey, you might need this medication. So they also have that outside non-biased view where it's like, hey, you might need a bit more support than what I can give you. Um, And then finally, another benefit is just it makes you mentally and physically better. (laughs) Um, The analogy I like to use is that when we hold in all of our stuff and when we don't have that perspective, we don't have that feedback, um, we keep putting air into a balloon. So think about it as a balloon. Put air into a balloon and eventually you're going to pop. So it's giving you that space just to release. Um, so yeah, that's what I would say is those are the five biggest benefits of having a therapist. <laughs> yes, I agree with every last one of those, um, just from going to therapy. I think the only thing that I will even echo, cause I think you kind of said it is that it also like, sometimes you know, the answer or you mm-hmm. know how you what you should do, you know, what you need to do, what you need, you know, to thrive and to survive or whatever. Um, and therapy has served as a sounding board to yeah. for me. 
sometimes. Like maybe the therapist didn't give me anything more or she didn't even give me, you know, her non-biased opinion, right? But maybe she just like allowed me to talk through my thoughts and ask great questions to make me actually like accept what I already know to be true. Um, And I think that that's super important because even with a great therapist, no one knows you better than you know yourself. Mm -hmm. And so you have to, sometimes you just need some, a little push to get you to where you need to go. Yes, Ebony, you are correct. Like it is literally, and I like to say this too, and I'm glad you said that. People think when they walk in therapy, like the therapist is going to fix them, right? Like magic wand, fix me. You tell me what to do. This is what's going to happen. And that is not true. I used to tell all my clients, like, I am not here to fix you. I don't have a magic wand. You are going to do most of the work. I am literally here to guide you through this process, give my clinical analysis, and to help you really figure out what you need at your core. And I think people have this misconception that you're going to sit on the couch. They're going to give you some tools. Like I've talked to a number of people and they're like, I didn't like this therapy because they didn't tell me what to do. Yes, they should give you coping strategies. They should give you homework. But if you're not doing the work, if you're not reflecting, it's not going to work. So good point. Yes. On the on the other hand of that, I personally do not mesh well with therapists who don't give any like advice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like, because I and I am an overthinker. I'm I'm someone who like goes through, you know, if I have a problem, I'ma sit there, I'ma think about all the different scenarios. I'm a worst case scenario person. Mm-hmm. Best to worst, I'ma think about, you know, I always have A through E planned out. Um, but then if I go to therapy with the problem or the issue, I've had times where my therapist just was like looking at me and I was looking at her and <laughs> like, well, what do you think you should do? And I was like, that's not helpful. Like, obviously I just told you I have five different ways to go, right? Like I need, sometimes I need someone to give me their um, unbiased, of course, but sometimes it is important to get that opinion because, some, like, if you just don't say anything, it's like I could have just sat there and thought through my thoughts by myself, you know? <laughs> you need a balance. Well, it's for me, I know that I'm very picky too. I need a nice balance for sure. That is fair. And what, <laughs> what I have to say to that is yes, when I say, The goal of the therapist is to guide you through, not what do you think you should do, but ask questions like you said, so you can come to that solution of like, all right, this is sounding right. And they should also challenge, now that you made a good point, they should also challenge you. You should not have a therapist that's just like, oh, what should you, what do you think you, what you should do, what you think you should do. They should be asking you tough questions and challenging your thought patterns as well. And I don't know if we get into this, but there's also different type of therapies. Um that individuals have but it, I'll save that just in case we get into it later no I yeah I definitely um would love to give them a little bit about the different type of therapies but I think that for sure you have to like you have to even when I'm telling people what like what to look for when looking for a therapist I'm always so adamant about like okay like, what do you want do you want someone to just listen to you do you want like cbt like do you want someone you know all the things but um so i think that that's super important but we'll get into that um in a couple of questions 
Oh, <laughs> um, so this question is: What is your advice for someone who is seeking therapy but may be hesitant about going? All right, that's a great question. Um, my advice for someone who's seeking therapy but is hesitant about going. Um, the first question I will have proposed to them is: What would your life? What is your life looking like right now? Right. And then think about what are you trying to get out of therapy and what ways could this enhance your life? And sometimes we don't know. So a great part is like doing research, listening to podcasts like this. And then the other thing I would suggest to someone who's looking for a therapist, because like I said earlier, oftentimes, and you made a good point um, about you firing a therapist, oftentimes we think that, hey, once I get this therapist, I'm stuck with them. You are literally treating them like this is an interview too, because you're their client. So if you're like, hey, I'm thinking about a therapist, I'm not sure how this works. Think about what do I want from a therapist? Like you said, Ebony, that's a great question. Um, what am I trying to solve in my life? And this is kind of going over. It's like, do I need a therapist or do I need a lot? I was also thinking about that too. And then another piece of advice is you don't need to share with your family and friends. <laughs> That you are going to a therapist, um, unless there is a person in your life who's been in therapy. So talk to someone who might have been in therapy. But if your family has a negative stigma about it already, it's going to make it even more challenging. Um, because especially in a black community, it's like, why are you telling people my business? And also another, if you're seeking therapy, realize that we are professionals. Everything we talk about is confidential. Um, we don't talk, we're not allowed by our code of ethics. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. Most therapists are not allowed to talk about what's happening with their family members. Like we can't disclose names. You shouldn't even be posting about your sessions on social media, but I see people do that. So <laughs> it's <really> like <laughs> um, a confidential relationship for you and this other person. I think that's a huge fear when people are seeking therapy. Does this mean I'm going to be it seem crazy? Does this mean they're going to share my information? How are they going to look at me? And I think the biggest thing that you should take away, like Ebony said, is make sure this person has been in therapy because we are humans too. And if your therapist has been in therapy, they know what it feels like to be vulnerable and open. So oftentimes they don't share that information. They can meet you at a certain level for a therapist who hasn't been in therapy. So I hope that, that answered your question. Yes, it did. I think for me, because I get this question all of the time as a mental health advocate, um, whenever someone is thinking about therapy, trying to find therapy for someone else, um, they typically ask me like, you know, like, what should I do? Where do I start? What do you like? What do you have to say about this? Um, basically. And um, so what I tell everyone is that one, you have to, like you said, um, identify you know where you are in life and like set some goals for therapy like what do you want to accomplish by going to therapy um and sometimes it is okay to not know because I have been um having mental breakdowns and like just gone to a therapist and they were like well what do you want to work on and I was like everything I don't know <laughs> um, but start right it's it's helpful to kind of Think about some of the things that you may be feeling uncomfortable with in your life, some things that you may just want to talk through. You don't have to have all the answers, but just kind of having a, a rough idea is helpful um, because once once you like open the book, right, you start reading into it. Yeah. Like once you start thinking about, okay, I kind of want to change this or I kind of want to figure out 
why I'm this way, then you're like interested in it. And then you can like commit to doing it versus some people who say, oh, I'm going to go to therapy. I'm going to go to therapy. But they don't actually sit with themselves and think about why they want to go to therapy. And then they just never do it. Like it just becomes a thing of like, oh, yeah, I said I was going to go to therapy. Yeah, and then even with that, making sure you're not going because someone else is telling you to go. Um, yeah. And oftentimes I see that happens with relationships. It's like, I'm here because my partner said I need to go to therapy. Um, it's not going to work because if we're not internally motivated. That's not the way therapy works. I mean, your therapist should walk you through the stages of change and should see where your readiness is. But you also have to make sure you're intrinsically motivated to go. Yes, because if you don't do the work, you're wasting your time and the therapist time for sure mm-hmm. um okay so what do you think are important things to look for when searching for a therapist um how does one know if a therapist is a good fit for them and like what are the different types of therapies that people should like mm-hmm. attention to when they're looking so um one of the important things to look for when searching for a therapist is um first are they licensed that's a huge one um, you can search your license on the website. Um, if you are in Michigan, specifically, I know on the LAR website, you can search your therapist's first and last name um, to ensure that they are licensed, fully licensed. Even if they have a limited license, they should be licensed. Um, that's the biggest thing. Also, want to make sure that they're culturally competent. We um, <laughs> uh, We live in a world where some people are not culturally competent. So when I say culturally competent, um, for me, example, make sure maybe I might want a therapist who's culturally competent in motherhood, culturally com- competent um, in Black womanhood, um, culturally competent in professionalism. Like, make sure they're culturally competent for what you might need. Um, another thing you want to make sure when looking for a therapist is that they take your insurance. I know these are basic things, but we we don't. Some people don't know that they take your insurance, and if they don't. One question you can ask is, hey, do you offer a sliding fee scale? Which means they look at your income. Um, I know my therapist did that for a minute. So if they don't offer that and it's not in your budget, you may have to find a different therapist um, that fits your budget. But some do have sliding fee scales. Also with a therapist, when you are searching for a therapist, you want to make sure that they fit the background that you are looking for, which takes research. And I'll give you a little bit about that. So um, earlier, Ebony talked about CBT. So there are tons of different practices in therapy, and I'm going to just talk about three that are the most common. And CBT is cognitive behavior therapy. And that's really the type of therapy that looks at your behaviors and they go through, okay, how do we change your behavior? How do we change your thought process? What is this homework you can do? It's more so like, um, hey, I'm thinking everything is gloomy. All right, how can we think about everything is not gloomy? Everything is sunshine. That's really changing your thought patterns. And then you have psychoanalytic or psychodynamic therapy, which is um, about your family, your um, background, your thoughts, your, um, I'm missing this word and it's not coming out. Oh my gosh, subconscious. So look, that looks at your subconscious. And that's when your therapist is, asking you a lot of deep questions and then to bring it to the surface, which actually happened in your subconscious. They look at your childhood, like, okay, maybe you had an event that happened at the age of 10 and that's why you're showing some of your coping mechanisms looks like a 10 year old. So that's that psychoanalytic, psychodynamic. 
And then you have talk therapy. And that's probably the one Ebony does not like. <laughs> that's when it's just a lot of talking. Like they're just talking you through the stuff. They're just talking. It's not a lot of, it's, it's that sounding board. It's that support. But they're really allowing you to give you that space to talk. And then the last one, I know I said three, I'm going to say four, because this is the one I'm trained in, which is trauma-focused cognitive behavior therapy. And that is a therapist who literally looks at the trauma that you've endured. Maybe you're like, I need to go see a therapist because I know that this trauma, something traumatic happened to me, and this is this is impacting me. It might have happened when you were 10. It could have happened yesterday. But that therapist is trained to actually work you through your trauma um, to give you the tools and the coping mechanisms in, in relation with CBT. So those are the four things. So looking at the background you might want from a therapist. Did I ask your question? I feel like I've been talking yeah. a lot. No. You- <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, the, the other part of it was how does one know if a therapist is a good fit? Perfect. So, you know, and I know this might sound so cliche. But trust your gut. Your gut is not lying to you. You want to make sure that this therapist is building a rapport with you. Um, They need to make sure that, you know, you are connecting. You can laugh with them. You cry with them. Like when you go in their space, at first you might feel close, but they're working to actually build a rapport with you. Um, You also, if you are just, you want to make sure that they have time for you um, and that they are professional and sticking to like your time limits because oftentimes or sometimes you might get a therapist and they are like late. They're not on time. And I think that this starts with just respecting a person's time. Um, another thing is that they respect your boundaries. Um, that is a huge thing. They are respecting your boundaries. And I feel like I might be jumping into the other question. Yeah. Um, but okay, <laughs> let's, let's go to the next question. <laughs> Um, so for me, I think um, I love thank you for giving all of the different definitions of the therapies. Um, you are absolutely right. I do not like talk therapy, um, but that's because for me, it does not make sense because I do that in my head. <laughs> um, but I think that for me, like what I agree that you should look into cultural, you know, like cultural competence and like, what is your experience? Like, who do you, who do you typically work with? Um, who do you, like, do you have an understanding of what I'm talking about? Right. Yeah. And so yeah, I have an example of, I had a therapist who she was okay. She did this is a therapist that did get fired. I'm so sorry, but she <laughs> was okay. Um, and <laughs> but then like I realized when I would when I would talk about stuff, the way that she saw it was very different than how I saw it because I was coming from a faith like my faith based perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't necessarily um. I don't want to say like agree with it, but like she thought that I was just like being an overachiever or I was just being like, she had different excuses for what I was telling her. And I'm telling her like, no, like this is how I, this is what I feel like it is from my perspective. It is still my life, my perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, And she didn't really understand that fully. And I realized that, Oh, I need to. And she's checked all the other boxes. She was a black woman. You know, she kind of grew up in a similar area to me. Like, you know, she she wasn't 
too much older where she was far removed, but she was old enough. She had kids. She checked all of my many boxes that I have. I know that I'm difficult when looking for a therapist. Mm -hmm. Boxes. But just that one little piece, it was like, okay, this is where our relationship kind of stops, right? Because Mm -hmm. you're not even understanding and comprehending what I'm telling you. If I'm telling you that something is because of like my faith or I feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing or I feel, you know, all those things, even if you don't agree, if you have that understanding of, you know, walking by faith and and doing those things, Mm -hmm. you can different perspective. Maybe you can, you know, say, oh, well, maybe you don't need to worry about it. You know, there's different advice that you can give, but she just rejected that all together. And mm-hmm. that was not helpful. So um, definitely figuring out, like, if you are someone who needs someone that understands your faith or your religion, then, like, that is important as well. And I think that that's something that we probably talk about less. Um, And even not, this is not my situation, but for some people, um, a lot of people that's in like faith-based communities, they, you know, mental health and therapy is new to them. And so you need someone to understand that so that they can help you work through your issues, you know, regardless of what you have been used to and what you have been trained to think. And so I think that like that making sure that they are culturally um, sensitive and they're culturally competent is so important because you have to, you know, and it's not always the things that we think. A lot of times we think, okay, like I don't want a male therapist. Mm -hmm. I don't want a female for men. I don't want to talk to a female for therapy. Like, you know, um, maybe age age is a thing for me but you know (laughs) they don't those are things that we think like oh I want a young therapist that will understand and you know can relate those are all things that we have to explore no matter how petty we may feel that they are because I had a male therapist and I had a female therapist and they both were great um and those two people are actually the same therapist that I have to this day oh wow yeah. But you made a great point. They do have culturally, and they also do have faith-based therapists. Um, if you are looking for more like a Christian background, some some people's profile do say that. So yeah, that's a good point too, Evie. Yeah, and it doesn't and so also it doesn't have like I'm not in therapy like just talking about God. Um, it's not like a spiritual coaching or mentorship or anything like that like most of the time I'm literally talking about real life problems but for me it was just important that she understood um Mm -hmm. and and so I don't just because you go to someone who you know has done the work in spiritual or faith-based therapy does not mean that your session is going to be just about God or Um, And I wanted to also say that for um, the different types of therapy that you said, because what a big misconception is that you people think that they have to go to their therapist and say, hey, I want to do CBT. (laughs) That's not how that works. Um, Typically, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but from my um, experience, typically 
you find someone who practices the kind of therapy that you're looking for or has experience in that and in that first session where you're just kind of like interviewing and like getting to know them they will typically explain the different types of therapies they offer and from my um, experience they often say you know suggest which therapy they feel is the best for you at that moment um but I don't know is that is that different do you have a different um experience um typically you are right you don't say hey this is what I want to do <laughs> you would do that research before and they also would tell you like hey this is what I practice this is what a session typically looks like I typically use this framework um and sometimes you do have to ask that question like hey how do you practice and a good therapist which will let you know hey this is not in my scope um this yeah. is not something I specialize in I can refer you to someone. So no, you don't go saying this is what I'm looking for, like a grocery store. No, uh-huh. <laughs> it should be on their profile. You should have that conversation. About yes. What way do you practice? Right. Perfect. Um, I just wanted to be make sure I wasn't thinking about that wrong. Um, so the next question, which we kind of got into a bit, but from a professional standpoint, just from your perspective, what are some red flags of a therapist? Oh, okay. So <laughs> some red flags of a therapist, like we talked about earlier, is their licenses lapsed or they're not licensed and they're still practicing. That is one huge red flag. Um, another red flag is that they talk about themselves too much. Um, your therapist should not be telling you about their problems. Yes, they can, you know, say, oh, I, under- I hear you. They don't really understand you because they're not you. I hear you. They can use something as an example, but if they overshare, that is a red flag. This is not their therapy session. Um, Another one, if you feel like your therapist is judging you, so you feel like your therapist is judgmental, that is a huge red flag. We are are, um, supposed to be non-judgmental individuals, but we are still human. Um, Another red flag is lack of appropriate training. We just talked about that. Like, oh, hey. You're, you're not doing what I need you to do. You don't have the licenses I need you to have. You don't um, practice for what type of diagnosis I have. That is another one. If they're unable to communicate, let's say maybe you two had um, a challenge with maybe time or billing, and it seems like the communication is rude or disrespectful, that is a huge red flag that that might not be a great fit for you. Um, let me think. Um, confidentiality. That is a huge one. We are supposed to keep everything confidential. So if you have a therapist, you shouldn't be following them on social media. You shouldn't be following them on Instagram. They shouldn't be following you. But if you do see something, it's like, I just got this session with this client and blah, 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 blah. Even if they don't put your name, you might want to be like, nah, dog, you are not, not the therapist for me. That is a huge grip. I said fired. Right? (laughs) You are fired. Um... So I think those are the biggest red flags. And if you are seeing someone who's a different race than you, like if you sense any microaggressions, um, like, oh, black people feel that way. Like, no, no, that's another red flag. <laughs> yeah, those are some red flags. Yes. I I think and something that I struggle with is I will start asking my therapist, like whenever my therapist says, how are you? Like, I hate that question. I think Ooh. everyone hates that question. I hate that question. 
but she'll ask like how are you and then I'm like oh I'm okay like and I'll you know start but I always will be like well how are you and then she'll be like she'll answer but if I like start like just talking too much she'll be like no ma'am you're you're trying to get <laughs> this is not my question let's redirect yes my therapist does that too but when she says how are you oh no she getting the real how are you I'm like this is how I feel I and I've had to get out of the habit habit to Evie like how are you doing how are you I'm like no this is my session this is what she paid to do <laughs> right like you are not I'm not trying to hear about your life but yeah I'll say that I am very guilty of like just trying redirecting and letting my therapist talk about um themselves but like you said a good therapist will redirect your redirect mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah like, they will me this is about you and so I really yes. appreciate that um so also, another thing I will say in that too is you don't want a therapist who's too stoic either who is too you know you should be able to laugh with your therapist like you are two human beings you both have emotions you both have feelings it's been in my practice I've been taught and I might be wrong for this, that you shouldn't cry with your clients. Um, and for some people, that is a way of connecting because I think a challenge is um, sometimes they don't feel like we are human. So it's okay to find a good balance for you. Yes, definitely. I don't know if, what, if my therapist probably started crying. I'm a crier, so I will probably just be Me like, too. this is awkward and all because I'm crying, <laughs> you crying. But I <laughs> um understand like that like wanting your therapist to be personable and like wanting to mm-hmm. relate like that is my red flag if you don't feel comfortable with your therapist even in the first like c- couple of sessions not you like know. feel my guts to them but you have to feel some sort of like comfortability with them because if you don't you're never going to be honest and like really be able to do the work yeah yeah and so like for me that is my red flag like you said of course um in addition like how do you feel how does this therapist make you feel because even if Mm -hmm. you hard work and even if you you know are doing some stuff that brings up traumatic experiences for you you shouldn't leave the session feeling like oh this person was just so hard on me like you said Mm -hmm. like judging me and also last red flag for me is like if your therapist doesn't listen to you going back to my therapist um that I the one that I fired um (laughs) like the problem was that she didn't understand but it was also that like I kept telling her that it was this way and like she just refused to acknowledge that and like it was just like she thought she knew me and like she knew me better than I did and that mm-hmm. is not something feel from your therapist because again this needs to be someone who you trust completely like I need to be able to trust that this person is going to give me sound guidance Yes, you are correct. And like you said, they should also be like a cheerleader. Like your therapist, like them baby steps that you don't realize your therapist needs to be pointing them out to you. Um, And they should call you out. And sometimes you might, you shouldn't leave the therapy session feeling like, oh, hey, you know, like they just judge me. But you might leave worse than you came. Which I know people are like, wait a minute, what? Like, yes, you might leave with an open wound. (laughs) Um, But long as you go back, that's the importance of going back. 
Yeah, I know for sure. Therapy is hard. Sometimes you will leave and you will feel like, why did I even go to this? Mm-hmm. My therapist, she she thinks I'm a joke, honestly, and it's getting ridiculous. But <laughs> like, I will go to her and I'll be telling her this, and then she'll just be like, she'll tell me something, and then she'll be like, yeah, you're not gonna do that, are you? And then we'll just start laughing because she knows, like, she knows sometimes when she just be doing like baby steps. Don't do too much. I can't do mm-hmm. <laughs> Baby steps. No. I, my therapist probably hates me. Um, no, she doesn't. I give her a hard time. I'll admit that. Um, so the next question is, what are some other options for people who cannot find an affordable therapist or don't have insurance that covers the cost? I know you were talking about, um, like, mm-hmm. the So, yeah. It's a few options. So you can go to a therapist and you can see if they have a sliding fee skill. And that's typically based off of your income. Um, Some therapists offer it. Some don't. Um, I think one practice I was at, like they that was one of their like things is like we want to make this affordable. Um, You can also, which is one of the challenges, it can present a challenge, but you can also go to college campuses. um, But you'll get paired with one of their grad students. But they are um actually facilitate excuse me uh supervised by a professional therapist so i know wayne state has a program university of detroit mercy has a program um i know for sure michigan state has a program where you can go in is like a very very reduced fee but they're there because they also need that practice too of course if you are um seeking any services in your own medicaid you can go to any community mental health agency which is a bit of a challenge to get in, but they do cover some therapeutic services. And then you can pay out of pocket, which can get pricey. I'm paying out of pocket because my therapist does not take my insurance. Um, So those are your four options. Yes. I think Michigan also has um, caps, but I don't know if they're, I think that at caps for Michigan, they all were like licensed. Mm -hmm. So they School. they weren't still in school um but yeah definitely your university is a great great option mm-hmm. I, um now the quality you might be you know <laughs> there are, there i will say there are some quality therapists um who are out of and it's literally the same way you would go to a therapist who is fully licensed is the same way you would go to a student. But also remember, they're also learning. So, yeah. um, and they are supervised, but there are some quality therapists, but it they are just beginning their journey as well. Um, that was my experience when I started therapy in grad school. Yeah, well, for for me, the, the um therapists there they were just not relatable um but then you also have to think about it I'm on a campus where I'm like less than four percent yes you are you a young girl oh like they they just were not relatable like they did they never had um availability like because everybody mm-hmm. it was driving everybody crazy so like everybody <laughs> and so it was just like it just it just was a lot but I don't think that that should discourage you. That is an option. But even if you have a bad experience with therapy, like that shouldn't discourage you from actually finding a good fit. No, it shouldn't. 
Um, so what advice do you have for people who want to help their friends or family that they see struggling, but that person is resistant to the idea of therapy? Um, this might be the hardest advice for a friend who really wants to help a friend um, <laughs> because we want to see change. We want to help them. The biggest advice I always give is you have to literally just sit with that person and be empathetic and walk with that person in their journey. We think that if we give them, I mean, you can point them to resources, but if we give them resources, we tell them this is what you should do. Oftentimes that deters people um, Mm -hmm. from doing it. And also, if you are in therapy yourself, talk about your journey, but not in a way where it's like you should be doing this. But I think it's helpful when we show up for our friends or our families, when we do check in, we're not honest about how we feel. So in a text, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. And then they feel like they have to say that back. So even being honest and transparent about your journey. But the biggest thing is making sure that you're walking beside them and not pushing them um, and just being there for them when they're ready. Because I know, like I talked about earlier, it's kind of the same scenario. Like if you're in a relationship, you're just going because your spouse is telling you to go. It's not the um, most effective situation. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that like that's probably the hardest task is to, you know, kind of see the need. Um, And again, like you said earlier, therapy is not only for people who have been diagnosed with mental Mm -hmm. disorders. And like that is a part of the misconception of mental health, especially in the black community. Um, And so that is a very hard thing to get people to go so for me like the advice that I give my friends or family that's looking for advice to help their friend or family um I really just tell people that they should start with like baby steps like you said definitely telling them your experiences like just sitting with them and being there for them making sure that they know that like you're there to help and Mm -hmm. support and and um, let them know that resources are available. And so when they're ready, um, you will help them, you know, figure it out and find a a good fit and and things like that. But another thing that I um, tell people to do is to like start project, like not projects, but start, um, start something with that person. So like if your friend struggling with their mental health, and like you want to do like check-ins with them so like make that your thing like once a week we're going to check in and like just see how we feel um and kind of be that person's accountability partner but also you have to also bring yourself to that experience because it helps them to get comfortable even talking about mental health um people are not comfortable talking about mental health at all and so to just say oh go to therapy is absolutely not gonna happen <laughs> it's so, like saying, oh go drive a car you never drove it <laughs> right and so like for um and this is not even like a, a plug or anything like that I really do tell people like just start doing you know similar to what the mood calendar setup is and like checking in with them about it having that community building that community so that they can just start thinking about their mental health in general um mm-hmm. be- in itself is helpful and once they get to a point where they're ready to look and go get help they will yes and that mood calendar ebony when you started doing that i was like oh my gosh i need to do this and it's all that also helps you like when you're talking with your therapist to see your patterns so yes yes i take my mood calendar to therapy and i'm like <laughs> when because i can see like wednesday was a bad day i was very upset <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I was happy again. <laughs> visual representation, a, vis- a visual aid. And I I redid the moon calendar so that you actually are like writing down some of the things that happen. You do like a daily reflection. So it's very much intentional now for you to be able to use it that way. Um, okay, last question. What is your best advice to someone who is struggling to maintain their own mental health? Oh, <laughs> advice to myself. No. Um, and I am going to give my therapist a shameless plug. Um, one big piece of advice she's told me when you are struggling with your mental health, and this has been my word for the years, just be graceful and be grace. Grace is the biggest thing you need with yourself. Um, we beat ourselves up a lot when we are on a mental health journey and we talk to ourselves in a really, 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 really bad way. So be graceful with yourself and also recognize that during each season, some of your coping coping mechanisms look different um, and you use them in different ways. For example, um, it might be the season right now. You might feel like all I do is watch TV. You're beating yourself up right now. You, because we are, use this pandemic, because we are in a pandemic, you might need to disassociate from what's happening right now. So the biggest thing is like be graceful with yourself. If you feel like you really, really need help, medication and this advice I'm given because people do not believe medication is a powerful tool um, that we don't want to use. And I like to say, if you were diagnosed with cancer, if you were diagnosed with something else that was long term, because mental illness can also just be to the fact that you have chemical imbalance in your brain. Um, So if you need medication, use medication. And then the other thought is skipping me. Um, Oh, days off, days off, days off. Your health days are also mental health days. Take days off. I was just talking to someone and I was like, it's okay to take days off to fall apart. Um, I think one of the reasons we do get into this cycle of like our mental health is because we are constantly, and this is from my therapist, we're constantly fighting ourselves about what we should and what we shouldn't feel like. And we're never going to win a battle with ourselves. So sometimes it can be like, this is what it is right now. Like, Alondra, you have anxiety. You have it. It's been a protective mechanism. It's kept you safe. How are we going to deal with this? Not beating like, oh, I wish I wasn't this way, but accepting. Like accepting what it is and learning how to work through it. But also giving yourself permission to fall apart. Because I think we are so afraid of falling apart, falling apart, but making sure like you have that support system that can bring you back together. So that would be my long winded advice. (laughs) Yeah, I think, I think that is great advice. I think um, the stigma with medicine is not helpful at all. Um, But we do need, just like I say that mental health is just as important as our physical health. So Mm -hmm about like if you have cancer like what are you going to do are you just going to do nothing about it or are you going to take you know the professionals advice and and try to get better um I think that that is um probably the the biggest tool or the biggest thing that you can do is just be open and honest with yourself Mm -hmm. um I am struggling with my mental health like I shouldn't feel like this every day or I shouldn't feel like this three days a week (laughs) right like (laughs) this is not how I normally feel 
um or just like I just am overwhelmed I don't know how to mm-hmm. make and being honest with yourself is the first step um and you can explore like options there are options out there um maybe not maybe not like just an overflow of affordable and like actually um you know doable options but there are so many options out there there's so many tools that we can use and so once you are able to be honest with yourself and to start asking for help I think that you are bound to find find something that will actually help yeah yeah Okay, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it was great. Thank you, ma'am. And I am so proud of you. You are doing amazing work. Keep doing it, Ebony. <laughs> you are amazing. You are also <laughs> inspiration to me. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. All right, I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye. Bye. So my mindful moment for this week is just that therapy is not a one-size-fit-all. It's not a magical solution to all of your problems. It's not a place that you can just kind of show up and be healed. It's a place that requires work and commitment and honesty. It is like a relationship and you have to find a fit for you. You have to do the work unfortunately you have to do the dating stage and figure out okay are we compatible do you like will this work out do you have the tools to help me with what I'm trying to accomplish and then after you do all of that work unfortunately you get into therapy and if they're a good therapist and they are a good fit for you you have to do more work (laughs) but that's really what life is honestly it's just work So I think that if you've considered therapy today, we've talked about a few good things to consider and like just talking points. If you guys ever have any questions, you can always DM Evolving Still. Um, I'm always happy to help in any way that I can and provide more resources for you. Um, But I just want to say don't give up. If therapy doesn't work the first time, then I would suggest you like just kind of regroup and then try it again and this time take a different approach but don't give up on your self-care journey your healing journey because like that's one of the greatest things that you can do for yourself like learning about things is cool Um, I'm an avid learner I love learning but learning about yourself and figuring out how to be a better version of you is like the best thing in the world Thank you for listening to today's episode. At Evolving Still, we believe that we all owe it to ourselves to evolve no matter where we are in life. And by focusing on emotional wellness, we give ourselves our best chance. Remember, Evolving Still is not a path, but a lifestyle.